Amen. Good morning, Gateway Church. We are a growing family after God's heart. Today on Mother's Day, we're going to talk about this pursuit. We are pursuing after the very heart of God. My mom taught me a lot about pursuing after God, mainly by her example. She didn't do a lot of teaching, and we didn't do a lot of devotions together as a, as a little one growing up, but I just, I just watched how she conducted her life, and uh, to the very end, she was, she was going after Jesus Christ with all of her heart, and so we want to talk about living life with purpose, and my mom definitely did that. It's what the Apostle Paul writes about in his letter to the Philippian church. And we've titled our series in this book, Living with Purpose. And here's a man, the Apostle Paul, who was in a passionate pursuit after God. He had this incredible dynamic going on in his pursuit that combined both the intellectual and the experiential aspects of knowing Christ. He knew God. I mean, if there was a man who ever knew God intellectually, I mean, here's a guy that wrote most of the New Testament, or a majority of that. He knew God intellectually, but that wasn't good enough for the Apostle Paul. It starts with the mind exposing ourselves to truth, but he knew Jesus Christ experientially. I mean, he felt the passion of Christ down deep in his heart. He wanted to to, to experience him in his emotions. God created emotions. He wants you to be impacted in your relationship with him, not only intellectually, but listen, emotionally. It's very important for you to catch. If not, the tendency can become external, focused on that which looks good on the outside. And we would maybe say, yeah, so-and-so, they're a pretty good Christian. Well, what's going on inside the heart? I want to I know Jesus Christ in both ways, experientially and intellectually. The Apostle Paul, this is a guy who literally devoured the word of God, the truth of God. He had this insatiable hunger for the truth. He was like the prophet Jeremiah. When it was written about Jeremiah, chapter 15, verse 16, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. That's a cool verse, isn't it? Jeremiah 15, 16. When I got home last week, it was interesting. I was just kind of winding down and trying to relax a little bit. Got a text from, from, a, from a good friend of mine, Doug Gilquist. And he sent me this text. <laughs> he shared, you know, some, some thoughts in the text. But really what was really funny was, was the picture. So he sends me this text and this picture and I just read this word, right, about Jeremiah the prophet eating the words of God. It was his delight. Well, here's the picture that he showed me last week. (laughs) (laughs) 
Right there is the Gilquist dog, all right? And his name is Cooper. And Cooper's posing. Do you see that? I mean, look at how proud he looks in that picture. <laughs> Guess what he just devoured? Doug's Bible. There it is. I mean, page by page. I think, I think that's Jeremiah 15, 16. If you, Doug, check that out for me when you get home. Find out if that's kind of where the epicenter of where he dug in to this word. I just, you know, Doug, you and I, we grew up in the era of Sunday school, and, and we got a star. Every time that I brought my Bible to church, I got a star. And I just, you know, if you'd have brought your Bible to church on Sunday, I don't, I don't know if this would have happened or not. <laughs> oh, that was a cheap shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apostle Paul was, was a guy who ripped into the word and ate the pages. That's, that's the kind of guy he was. Our text today in Philippians, we come now to chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. Uh, I love this passage. It's probably one of my all-time favorites. It's this. But whatever was to my loss, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. He says, everything that was once to my profit, I now consider loss. All of the accomplishments that Paul wrote about earlier in chapter 1, you can read about that when you get home. All of that heavy weight, all of these accomplishments, when weighed against the weightiness of Christ, nothing stands up. In comparison. In verses 10 and 11, Paul establishes the two goals of the Christian life. That's for you and for me. If, if Jesus Christ is our Savior and we're saying, be my Lord, here's the two goals of your life. Number one, real simple, to know Christ. First goal, to know Christ. Secondly is to become like him. No, that's it. And there's lots of things that we do. Lots of activities that we like to do. Lots of pursuits that we have in life. But weighed against the weightiness of Jesus Christ, really, in the end, only two things matter. Knowing Christ 
and becoming like him. So Paul said, the word know in verses 10 and verses 8 is, is experiential. As we said before, it means to know by experience. So this p- passionate pursuit of knowing Christ is marked by these four characteristics. Number one, it's personal. It's personal. Paul says, I, I want to know Christ. And this is where it gets personal for us. It's one thing to read it from the pages of Scripture and to think of the person who wrote those words But we have to have our own relationship with Christ. You can't have mine. I mean, I can't give you my relationship with Christ. I can't have yours. I can't live my relationship with Christ vicariously through you. I think we do that too often. We read lots of books and we listen to lots of podcasts, and we do lots of great things hoping that we can hear, you know, the, give me the magic bullet for this relationship with God. Can I let you in on something? You got to have your own relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't live it through anybody else. Ten times, Paul uses the personal pronoun, I. I, I want to know Christ. In your Bibles, circle the word I or make notation of it. But whatever was to my prophet, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. I consider everything a loss. I have lost all things. I, have con- I consider them rubbish that what? I, not somebody else. That I may gain Christ and be found in him. I want to know Christ. So after each of these characteristics, I want to give you one challenge. And so the challenge that I give to you as it relates to this relationship is personal. Embrace the relationship. That's the challenge. Embrace the relationship. Go beyond the handshake phase with Jesus. Go deeper. A couple of weeks ago, we went to Sioux Falls, South Dakota for our district conference. And a pastor by the name of Bruce Canold preached the word on an evening message. And that message, it was, like, it was like I was the only person in that auditorium. I mean, everybody else, it felt, I really felt like, man, Jesus, you are speaking directly to me. I mean, I was in this zone where I was, I was hearing the words of Jesus spoken through his servant, but it was, it was for me. And he preached this amazing message in the book of Revelation. 
We talked about, I know your deeds. I know what you've done for me. But this is the one thing that you lack. You have forsaken your first love. And then Jesus goes on to say, repent, turn, and do what you did when you first came to know me. And then he had, he had an altar call. I mean, it wasn't planned. He just said, if the Holy Spirit's moving on any of your hearts, come to the altar. And remember, nobody else is in that room. In my mind, it was just me and Jesus. I mean, when he said, come to the altar, I, I was almost like I, I got shot out of a cannon. Have you ever been there before? It's like I had to go, I had to, go to the altar and meet with God. I'm saying, Jesus, I've forsaken my first love. And then the Holy Spirit brought me back because the word says, go and do what you did in the beginning. And I was thinking, what was that, God? And the Lord, by his Spirit, brought me back to two occasions in my life. And it happened when I was young, when I was a teenager. And when I was in college, Bible school. The first occasion was when I just got my heart right with God. I remember... My mom and I went to, this was during the summer, and she wanted to make my, my bedroom really cool for the last year of my high school. And so she, she brought down the wallpaper. I mean, in those days, I mean, there were 15 layers of wallpaper. I mean, and she, I mean, she had to get that machine where she was just working her elbow and her forearms, and we pulled down the sheetrock, and we made my room really cool. Then we went to a furniture store outside of town, and we bought a brand new waterbed. I mean, one of those, and not waveless. I mean, this thing was just sloppy and up and down and cranked the heat on, and you just sweat for days. It was, I loved it. And we had, we had these, uh, my drawers right underneath. And that night, when I'd given my life back to Christ, I got, I mean, I literally... I literally got down on my knees and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I I was going, wow, I cannot get up off of this carpet. This is so wonderful. We had a term back in that day. We don't use it very much in these days. We talked about praying through. When you hit a wall, and you want to give up in prayer. You're just kind of like, oh, well, that was, that's enough of that prayer. I just, you know, I'm, I'm bored with it. It's over with. We talked about praying through when you hit a wall. That's not the time to stop praying. That's the time to, to rev it up a little bit. Get the RPMs going. Pray through. I went to Bible school. 
And that's all I, I had learned in my devotional life was, was simply to, to, to drop to your knees and pray through until you hear God, until you sense his presence. We had these A-frames that, that our beds were, were on. An A-frame up in the air. Our beds were up in the air and our, our, you know, our living quarters were underneath. I would crawl down that wooden ladder at night. And I, I, I didn't know any better. I didn't know anything else to do. I saw, well, I'm having a hard time. I don't think I'm going to make it, God. I don't think I'm passing any of my, my courses. I'm beside myself. I got on my knees. And I prayed. And I prayed through. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, I remember these moments where I'd just be filled with the Holy Spirit and power. I'd get up off my knees and go to bed, and then the new day would, would, would awaken, and it was like I had power to accomplish that which I thought I would fail. And when I was at that altar in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, the Holy Spirit specifically pointed to me and said, Those are, that's what I want you to do. Go back to that place. You see, this pursuit of Jesus Christ is personal. You got to take it personal. You got to do whatever it takes to make sure that you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, not just something that's heady and intellectual. You got to have your heart burn for Jesus. Secondly, it's powerful, right? Encounter the power. It's personal. Embrace the relationship. What did Paul say? I want to know Christ in what? Underline it in your Bible if you have one. Power of his resurrection. Highlight it on your device. Who doesn't need power here today? Is there anyone here lacking power to live the way Jesus Christ has called you to live? We all need that power. Power that enables me to say no to sin and yes to love and to forgive and to be humble. Remember the definition of humility. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Well, how, how can I possibly do that? It takes power. So I challenge you. How do you do that? How do you encounter the power? Do what Jesus told us. Ask. That's all I know to do. How do I encounter, encounter the power of the Holy Spirit? You got to ask for it. If you think it's just going to happen on a, on a Sunday, one day a week, never. Only that. It works in combination. 
You got to ask on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, listen, will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask him. There are, there are prayers that I pray that I don't always understand. Lord, why are you not answering these prayers the way that I ask you? So there's a mysterious side of prayer. I understand that. But there are prayers, folks, that when you pray these prayers, they will come 100%. It's God's will. There's no question about it. It's waiting. But listen. If you ask for power, and you keep asking for power, and you get on, you're desperate. I mean, you get desperate. You drop to your knees. The wind is mysterious. You don't know how it blows, when it's going to blow, or where it's going to blow. But you can be assured 100% that God will answer that prayer. He will give you power. I think we give up too easily. Thirdly, this passionate pursuit is painful. It's painful. What did Paul say? And I want to know Christ. And what? The fellowship of sharing in his what? Sufferings. I just wish Paul would have left that part out. I mean, it was, he was going, I mean, it was like power, the resurrection, becoming like him. Why the suffering part of the equation? No one likes to go through pain. Anybody here? Maybe you're right in the middle of some kind of pain. You wouldn't stand up and say, oh, I love this pain. I just wish there were more, more pain in my life. Could be relational. Maybe in a heartache of some loss of someone you love dearly. Could be financial. Could be some mental anguish that you're going through. Maybe it's physical pain. It's turned into a chronic condition. You know who the greatest teacher in my life, who that teacher has been for me? I mean, the teacher that's taught me the most. It's not a professor, it's not a preacher, it's not a movement, it's pain. It's pain. If you leverage pain right, 
It will push you into intimacy with God like nothing else can. That's really hard to say. It's really hard to say. If you leverage pain right, it will push you into an an intimacy with God like nothing else can. So I challenge you. It's easy. I could challenge you with with endure the pain because that's in the Bible. You, You know the verses. And it would be so heartless and cold. If I just said, that's the Sunday school answer, endure the pain. If you're in pain, suck it up, endure it. Get over it. And listen, that's heartless. If you haven't first experienced any kind of pain in your life, just don't say anything. For someone who's going through pain, sometimes the best thing to do is not say anything. Just hug them. Don't try to fix them. Try to understand them, but be very careful. So humbly, I challenge you, if you're in pain, is to endure. And I know the only way you can get through it is to understand that there's a fellowship with Christ in it, right? It's right there in the Word. In my own pain, I catch a glimpse of what he endured, the pain that he went through for me. Jesus understands. When you look at that word fellowship, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, another word for fellowship is intimacy. There's an intimacy with God that only comes through pain. And everyone who follows Christ will go through a season of significant pain. Everyone. I'm sorry, there's no one exempt in this one. Doesn't mean that you're going to leave here going, oh man. How can I prepare for this season of pain that's going to come into my life? You can't prepare for it. You don't know what, what's going to happen. You don't, know, you don't know anything. Except that when it happens, that the word of God says that there's a fellowship and intimacy with Christ that only comes through pain. What does pain do if you leverage it right? It drives you into Christ. You, you think about his sufferings and think, wow, Jesus, what tremendous pain you went through. I remember when I was, when I was fighting like crazy to get out of certain pain in my life. I mean, I did everything that I knew possible. I just, there was no relief. 
I remember walking down this road. You probably heard this story before. It was like, it was like one of those moments when, when, the, when I remember getting down on my knees and praying. I just I can see where I was and when it was. I remember walking down this road in the middle of a crisis in my own life. And I heard the Holy Spirit whisper, this word into me, into my heart. And I didn't, at first, I didn't want to accept it. He said, this is going to be longer than you think. <laughs> it's like, that's not what I heard. I don't believe that's what I heard. And it's further down the road. He said, this is going to be longer than you think. But listen, my grace is sufficient for you. I said, Lord, I don't want to hear that right now. I never wanted to turn to this passage of Scripture. I almost bypassed it when in my Bible reading. When I, when I would come to this passage in 2 Corinthians, it was like I, I wanted to completely jump over the passage. Have you ever been there in one of those chapters? I know what's coming. I read this enough times. I know what's coming. I don't want to read this anymore. It doesn't do anything for me. It just accentuates the pain in my life. Remember what Paul said, Jesus, take this thorn away from me. Three times I pleaded. Take it away from me. But he said to me, what? You, you know these words. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Because there's a fellowship of sharing in his sufferings where intimacy can only come through some kind of pain. I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And then when I got to that point where I just, I knew that this was going to be longer than I wanted, I had to have that verse every single day. Jesus, give me grace. To what? To endure this trial. Help me understand that there's something of intimacy going on as a result of it. Fourthly, it's practical. This passionate pursuit is practical. Becoming like him. That's what Paul said. Becoming like him. Isn't that the ultimate goal in life? I just want to be like Christ. When I read that, my mind automatically goes to Jesus' disciples. When he tells them this truth, they were very sad. I 
I want you to think about the process and enjoy the process. This is, in, in, in the end, a message about hope. John 15, 11, Jesus said, I've told you this so that my joy, his joy, may be where? In you, and that your joy may be complete. So my challenge to you is to enjoy the process. There's joy in knowing Jesus. Becoming like Jesus is joyful because he's the most joyful person of all, amen? I mean, in this whole process, if there isn't some release of joy, there's something missing. Even in the dark times, there's got to be a light. The surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. How passionate is your pursuit for God? Your pursuit. Maybe Jesus would say something to you like he said to me. You've forsaken your first love. Today you got to repent. You got to go back. Find that first love that you once had for me. It's personal, isn't it? It's powerful. At times it's painful, but it's intensely practical. So embrace your relationship with Christ, will you? Encounter the power. Don't go through your week with your sail down. We used that illustration last week. Set your sail. You keep asking the wind that some moment will blow that sailboat of yours wherever God wants to take it. No, my heart is with you in your pain. Endure it as best as you can. His grace is sufficient for you. And by the Spirit, enjoy the process because God is perfecting his good work in you And always remember, there is no greater joy than knowing Christ. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to close by just singing that simple song that we we sang in the set about knowing Jesus Christ. This altar's always open. Maybe you feel like you're the only one today that Pastor Paul was speaking to and there's nothing magical about coming to the altar but sometimes it's just that's what we need to do. It's just an act of our will. Maybe you're relying on someone else's relationship. You're trying to Live your relationship through somebody else. Today, it's about you. It's not about anybody else here. It's about you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. How passionate are you for him? You know, he's passionate for you. 
I mean, he loves you more than you could ever imagine. I mean, he's got this huge smile on his face when he thinks about you and all of your inadequacies and sin and struggle and pain. He loves you. And he wants you to to know him in an intimate way. So maybe you just need to come and just come to this altar, seek the Lord, receive prayer. I'd love to pray with you and for you. Holy Spirit, continue to move in our hearts. Thank you for your word that's alive and active. You're speaking to us face to face, heart to heart, individually. We want to respond to you, Jesus, by your spirit. Whatever that means, that just quietly, right now, where we're standing, if it means to come forward, it doesn't matter. If it means to kneel, we just need you, Jesus. There's no greater joy than knowing you. Just thank you for this time now. In Jesus' name.